Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hello, and welcome to episode number 14 of the Create More podcast with me, Ben Stewart. On this fortnight's podcast, we have Aurelian Simon, who is the head of virtual reality production at an amazing company called Unit 9. Um, to give you a little bit of backstory, uh, Unit 9 are, uh, you'll hear in the podcast, they're quite a difficult company to describe because they do so many awesome things. They do a uh, They do animation, they do computer games, they do films, they uh, do advertising, they do everything. And as you'll hear, it's actually quite difficult to explain what they do just because there's, I guess they don't want to pigeonhole pigeonhole themselves into any one area. They just want to do amazing stuff. And about, I think a year and a half, two years ago, Aurelian was asked to join or to start the virtual reality department. It's weird to think now. Uh, that virtual reality wasn't even a very big thing a couple of years ago. And uh, again, this is something we go in the podcast. But I think I think this year is going to be the year of uh, going to be the year of virtuality. Uh, this isn't really an exclusive on my part. This is a, this is just a a fact. I think uh, if you've heard of companies uh, like Oculus Rift, who I guess the most prominent ones. Uh, there's also Google Cardboard, who are two very different ex- extreme ends of the spectrum. Against lots of stuff we talk about. Um, you know, where virtual reality has come from, where it's going to move to. Uh, the reason I really enjoyed doing this podcast was uh, there's so much stuff that I, I hadn't even thought about. One of the best things about this podcast is just having my mind opened, right? So um, I'm not even going to ruin it to you. I'm going to tantalizingly give you hints. Uh, and then you have to listen to it because uh, that's how this works. But um there's some stuff, and I would I would call myself a fairly clued up guy. I, I read Wired, you know. That's uh, you know crazy in depth. I go, uh, but loads of stuff that he talked about that I hadn't even really given much thought to. Um, really, really interesting stuff, and really interesting direction that I think he's going to take, uh, or they are aiming to take virtual reality in. Um, for me, and a bit of backstory before we get into the podcast. Uh, at Make, we are doing uh, some amazing buildings, or hoping to do some amazing buildings, right in the centre of London. And we are using uh, the Unreal game engine. Now, if you're a bit of a computer nerd, or around my age, you'll remember Unreal and Unreal Tournament and all those games. They now give out this engine for free, and it's a very, very powerful render engine. Quite complicated. So we've put our architectural models in Unreal, in a computer game engine, and that allows you to run around it like a computer game. Uh, we also at Make have the Oculus Rift development set and what we tried to do and struggled and which is why I met Aurelian in the first place was we tried to do VR uh, and there's a bit of a... Anyway, I won't go into too much detail. We couldn't get it to work very smoothly. So I was given Aurelian's name as someone who does do virtual reality and does it very well for advertising and all sorts of things. So me and my friend Zach, who's our kind of um, render wizard at Make here... We went over to their offices and, oh man, it was like going to like a startup office. It was so cool. 
you know, like uh, they have the big, you know, massive like chair boost, like foam in and loads of cool stuff. And when me and Zach went there, we actually got in by accident. We didn't go through the normal security security way. It said unit nine on the fifth floor. So we went all the way up to unit nine on the fifth floor. Uh, guy, obviously someone who works there, goes through this big steel door and we won't go to follow him. And suddenly turns around and goes, uh, who, who the hell are you? And we're like, oh, we're here to meet Arillion. He's like, not in here, you're not. <laughs> and then we got kind of frog marched down to like level one, which is a reception. And I found out uh, that that's their like secret floor, their research floor. Um, they do loads of cool stuff in there as well. So then we sat down Arillion and he just went through all the stuff that he was working on. And me and Zach were just kind of like, this is awesome. This is fucking awesome. Um, Google Cardboard, uh, he showed us all these little demo things. Um and this is all stuff we talk about, and I really think you should listen to it. Uh, it'll uh, it'll blow your mind, man. So yeah, so listen to the podcast. Uh, it's a great one. Uh, we're kind of getting up to halfway through the series now. Um, so I've already got the next two lined up. I've got another podcast being recorded this week. So uh, yeah, all, all full steam ahead, and I really hope you enjoy it. And listen to the end to find out on who's on next Fortnite's podcast. Enjoy. <laughs> to start the podcast now sure and i'm going to start by asking you if i'm going to pronounce your name properly which is aurelian that's very good actually is it close yeah yeah very yes. close okay and your second name simon yeah simon so i'm simon so i'm an aurelia simon from unit nine yeah and the reason i was excited about this so we'll go into vr and what you do and everything but um i was reading a wired article and it was like 2016's the year of vr right I'm pretty sure you've been aware of VR for a hell of a long time, but it, it does feel that there's like a there's a certain sense of excitement about VR in like the public realm. So uh, why why don't we start off with um? So the air conditioning kicking yeah, on. Just okay. for a second. Sorry. Is that recording? Okay, there we are. we're back in again. So we just <laughs> turned off the air conditioning. So yeah, why don't you explain uh, what 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 your role is at Unit Nine, and then we'll go into what Unit Nine do and everything. So yeah, sure. what, what do you do? Well, it's pretty easy. I'm the head of VR production at Unit 9, so I oversee the VR department, and I oversee the production, so I'm pitching and work, but as well, just making sure that production runs smooth, finding technical solutions, sort of production solutions yeah. for VR, which is very challenging. Yeah. Every single production is different, so there's new challenges on every single job. I know, that's one of the questions I want to ask you. I'm quite excited to, to hear how, how clients respond to VR, but we'll get into that. And then, and then what... What what do Unit Nine do? Like, because when I looked on your website, which is incredible, by the way, uh, I still don't actually know exactly what you do. You do amazing looking stuff, but like, are, are you a? How would you describe Unit Nine? It's a good question. <laughs> you see, <laughs> see, you're in Unit Nine. You can't explain it. Well, the thing is, I actually had this question on my interview Unit Nine. They told me, "Could you could you tell us what what we do, what we are?" And it was actually a pretty difficult question. That was probably the most <laughs> difficult question of the whole interview. Um, Uni9 is an innovation studio. That's the best way to put it. Um, they, they now exist for 20 years. And we have many different departments and we work across films, um, digital experiences, so websites and apps. Um, we have a VR department now, we do games as well, and experientials, which is installations. So. 
even though one of our main market is advertising, yeah, um, we do a lot of innovation projects, which are internal projects that our innovation architects come with, or some of our creative guys, and we just develop it. So to recap, Unit Nine kind of do a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so when I first started the podcast, it was that uh, part of it was kind of dream jobs. You know, I love being an architect. That is one dream job, but there are loads of dream jobs, right? So we were we were looking into how to use VR in a in a project we're doing at Make, and uh, Unit Nine came up, and then we got in contact with you, and then um, we came over because we're in we're in your offices in Hoxton, which is only one of loads of offices. You've got another another office in London, but then you've got offices all around the world as well, right? Yeah, that's correct. We've got, we've just opened Unit 9 in LA. Uh, we've got an office in New York. We have two tech offices in Poland. We have presence in Berlin, Italy, Stockholm. Um, sorry, I'm forgetting now Paris as well and the Middle East. So, you, so Unit 9 do a bit of everything in a bit of everywhere, basically. Exactly. But I think if you're listening to this, uh, Go to the Unit Nine website because uh, we were. I was obviously doing some research research today about this, and uh, me and my friend at work were watching videos. Uh, you know, <laughs> in our spare time, obviously not during work hours. And uh, so many people come over and look at them because um, what would what would be a good? If people are listening, we'll tell them to keep this in the background, but go and look at because you showed me a Formula One driving simulation. That was like a yeah yeah. Why don't you explain what that is and then we'll, we can. So that was a VR people. experience, for instance. So when you're on the Unit 9 website, you go under the Unit 9 VR section. And the Formula 1 driving experience was um, for McLaren. And that was with Jensen Button. And it's basically the idea to um, take the position of Jensen Button and actually experience what it's like to drive a Formula 1 car. Wicked. And did, did you do this then? So this yeah, is, okay. so absolutely. Did you meet Jensen Button? We did, yeah. And what's he like? He's nice? It's actually pretty nice, yeah. <laughs> it was really fun because he um, he didn't care so much about the job, but on a way that made it a lot more fun because he ended up doing donut rings um, <laughs> and these kind of things, which we didn't ask him for, but it ended up um, being really cool outtakes. Awesome. See, again, another great story. So I'll come. Back, I'm going to come back on to more of your sure. stories of how you do stuff. But then, um, so that. That Formula One experience, you, when we were in, because when we came to your office, me and Zach, and you sat us down, we were obviously like kids in a sweet shop. We were like, what have you got? What can you show us? <laughs> and it's the, it's the Google Glass. So, like, I think I'm going to go right back to, like, the very basics of VR, because I know some of my friends know loads about it, but other people never even heard of Google Glass. And you gave us, it's like a cardboard face unit, like a mask, and yeah. you just slide your phone into it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's what they call Google Cardboard. Google um, Cardboard, that's it, yeah. Yeah, Google Glass is I'm using the wrong one, thing, yeah. Um, so Google Cardboard is very simple. It's a piece of cardboard that folds, that has two lenses in there, and you slot your phone in, and it uses the gyroscope of your phone to give you a VR experience. Um, and it's probably the cheapest and most affordable mm. VR experience for everyone. It's open to market. You can find, you can find it on Amazon or on any shop, um, and it's around yeah, ten to fifteen pounds. So cheap. so and then you just you can slide in any phone right an iPhone yeah. or a, an Android phone and then absolutely and then in that video because you you can, you can go on it on YouTube can't you and kind of spin the camera around it's kind of it's, exactly yeah so I guess to uh, the more techie people there's there's like there's VR and then what what would you describe a three sixty degree video is that is that still virtual reality is that it's very interesting uh, it's a big industry debate and everyone has an opinion on it on my side. Basically, the way to separate VR to 360 content is the way to view it. 
Mm. If you view it in a cardboard, so if you watch it with the lenses um, closed off from the outside world, this is a VR experience, whether mm. it's a 360 video or if it's um, a game or anything like that. If you're in a closed-off environment, so like a Google Cardboard, mm. this is a VR experience. If you watch it as a 360 piece of content without a Cardboard, then you might call it a 360 film rather than VR. Because that's, uh, I guess I'm entering quite a big debate, aren't I? So, well, it uh, is. I think, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get onto that in a bit, I think. But uh, so, so you should, uh, if you're listening, you should go onto this VR thing because you can either, well, you can buy a Google Cardboard and then use it yourself. But um, you can still, you've got quite a few videos on your website where you can spin the camera around. So it's, it's still, it looks like a film, but you can actually spin around and look in any direction, um, which on its own is amazing. Like, I think going through your website, like what are other good ones for people to, I, I think the Formula One one's great because it's, but it's a static car and you've got ones where you're kind of moving through an environment and it, it does totally change your perception of a space if you can just spin your head around. So what, what other good ones are there, ones that we can go on? There's a few interesting ones and I'm, I'm mostly going to focus on the ones that are available on YouTube, meaning that you can go on the YouTube app on your phone, especially if you get an Android phone. I <laughs> don't think it works for an iPhone yet. Um, they're planning to release that soon. But um, there's a few interesting experiences. The first one is um, a couple of short films we did for Mini. Um, that was a very high production value, but it was also the first short films in VR and in 360 with all the challenges that come with it because storytelling has been around for 100 years and now 360 and VR breaks all those codes. Like all the traditional filmmaking is mm. completely different in 360. You can't have any crew around. You can't have any close <laughs> direction. You can't, you need to find places to hide lighting or elements like that. So yeah. the whole thinking on a technical aspect, but also on a storytelling aspect, because mm. you have a 360 space, you need to find a way to fill it. It's, it's interesting to have 360, but if you have nothing around, it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think what, what we were watching. Um, we were doing. We were watching a kind of film documentary, and they were saying that the very first piece of film was like a was a train coming yeah. towards the camera, and, and that was what like thirty seconds long. And I imagine we're kind of that was storytelling. That was this amazing th thing that people hadn't really witnessed. So you're saying uh, the technical side of having to hide everything, right? Like even absolutely, that must be a nightmare. So the mini one. Do you know was the story behind this train station story? Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's it's an amazing. It's a film by the Lumiere brothers, and. Basically, at the first screening in a cinema theatres, people actually run away because they thought the train was coming at them. <laughs> so they run away. And we have, to some extent, the same feeling with VR. The first time you try VR, people feel they are there. So there's emotional, physical reactions. Yeah. And the interesting thing about VR is that it's really cool to try it, but it's also really cool to look at people trying it. <laughs> you see the physical reaction, you see the hands and everything. It's, um, it's a really fun experience. Because it's, it's funny you should say that because... Um, <clears throat> I can't, I, I can't, I'll try and put a link on, but um, there's a there's a little animation of someone watching. I think it's a horror computer game, but he's yeah. got he's got the virtuality goggles on, and obviously it's one of those horrible things with like a creature upside down, kind of coming towards him in strobing lighting, and it's pitch black, and it jumps at him, and he like <laughs> he's obviously trying to stop it. That's I hate scary films anyway. That sounds petrifying, like genuinely terrifying. By the way, that's a Union Nine production, is it? Yeah. Is it? Oh. That's, a, that's a film called um, Meet the Family, and it's part of Uni9 Presents when we help um, young directors to basically have more exposure. 
So that was um, Exeb, a, a small studio in Belgium that <laughs> developed this, uh, this project. And we took the project on board with them to have a, a bigger presence. And you saw the reactions of people online. I feel like you're slightly evil now for doing that to someone because <laughs> he looks petrified. But I, I, I think it's... It's um, a petrifying experience. I can't even watch it myself. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, I'm a wimp in the cinema and I can put my hands in front. I, yeah. I genuinely think a headphones and VR scary film experience would probably would probably genuinely affect me for life. <laughs> it does. It, it would it go really in my does. memory as a, as a terrible event. That's the most effective way to use VR is to scare people off. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I, I've got these examples, but I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that you've probably been part of all these examples now but there's a <laughs> uh, again they'd done like um an animation uh of it being in a forest but like a computer animation and they just said people they kept dialing back how scary it was because people it, it when you're in a scary forest and you're looking forward well you know you something's going to come out but when you can spin around you genuinely don't know if there's something behind you like you could just be looking in the wrong direction as something really horrible is behind you i think yeah no i don't want to watch scary films in vr i think i've just persuaded myself so We'll go on to kind of um, kind of how you got to Unit Nine, but there's uh, the way the podcast seems to work, right? Is that they're normally between like forty minutes now long, and it goes really quickly. But the first twenty minutes, I try and like um, people genuinely, people listen to the first twenty minutes, and then they or they listen to the whole thing. So I'm trying to like pack as many kind of of the VR side of things, kind of sure. the techie side of things, in the first twenty minutes, and then and then I want to go into like how you got into Unit Nine and what it's like running productions and stuff. But um. Back to your VR debate, what is VR, right? Because mm-hmm. you also do Oculus Rift stuff, isn't it? Or, yeah, of course. Or, or when I say Oculus Rift, is that just one brand of a... How would you describe the kind of... Because you can tilt your head sideways, right? That kind of... Yeah, so there is... So in my in my opinion, there's two main markets for VR. There's what we call mobile VR, which is the Google Cardboards, or the um, Samsung Gear VR, which uses mobile phones and the gyroscope in your mobile phone to give you a VR experience. And then there's the desktop VR, which uh, you have the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, um, out soon. And um, the other one is the PlayStation VR as well. The interesting thing, and the good timing of this podcast, is that the Oculus Rift just went on sale. Like, officially, this is the official release of VR. VR is actually an official thing as of yesterday. Which is, and I think the... For people who, how would you desc- how would you describe the difference between a three sixty degree video and an Oculus Rift to people who, well, one have no idea what an Oculus Rift is, but it, 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 you have to have a so, desktop computer with it. Yeah, you'd have to have a desktop computer. It's it's quite an expensive thing. Um, the the big difference is that Oculus Rift is made for gamers, so mm-hmm. it's not only about three sixty videos. It's more about actually games in VR, and that's a very immersive and exciting experience mm. as well. Yeah, because. I think uh, one of the reasons we came over here originally and I got in contact with you is because um, we were using, well, very, very simply, trying to use VR in an, in the Unreal game engine. So I'm going all nerdy for people who want to listen to it. <laughs> and uh, we came over here to ask your advice about how to, to kind of, because we were building a skyscraper and a city and everything. So um, one of the things we found, and this is one of the disadvantages of uh, the Oculus Rift and those type of things, was there was a slight lag. You know, when you move your head, yeah. it's almost like motion sickness. And genuinely, after about a minute, it really throws you off because I, I, I really want, if you're listening to this, just go somewhere and find and use one because they're so immersive that one of the test things for an Oculus Rift was you sit down at a desk and, you know, just so I think it calibrates or something. Yeah. And you've got a vase and a phone, but because you're sat at a desk doing it, you put your hand out and you think you genuinely think you're going to knock a vase over because your hand's there. And 
And then you told us how to get the, you know, it to be seamlessly fast, the much more powerful graphics card. But the sense of scale you get is unbelievable. I mean, we showed it to our client and stuff. And the sense of scale is amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 as real as it gets, really. Yeah. Um, we created an experience for Dubai. I can't talk much in details <laughs> about it because it's not out yet. But it's the same idea. We, I mean, during the experience, you you stay at the bottom of the Burj Khalifa. Is it the tallest tower in the world? Yeah, might yeah. be. Yeah, and the sense of scale in VR is exactly the same. Like when I'm in Dubai, standing at the bottom of the Burj Khalifa, I have exactly the same feeling and experience in VR, which is incredible. Yeah, I, at least I don't have to travel there. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was one of our things. I th- uh, we were saying, we would. I was joking with my wife. I was saying, oh, I didn't need to go on holiday now, but <laughs> she was going, "Don't be so stupid." And I was like, "Well, I would genuinely spend a day going up Mount Everest." In virtual reality, it, that, that's how it, like it would be amazing. And I, I was wondering, like, is it is a future thing? Yeah, let's go on to it. Like, what what do you think? Can you imagine cinemas? Will there still be cinema? Let's say VR took off massively and people sure. started watching films and or they'd worked out how to film it and stuff. Is that is that what people think when they think of the future of VR? Like, um, would people still? congregate as a, as a collective of people. I think there's misconceptions about VR. And I think everyone's talking about VR taking over. Um, VR is becoming a medium. Mm. So the same way TV didn't kill radio or radio didn't kill cinema or TV didn't kill cinema, VR is a new medium and it's a new experience. Um, I think it, it is becoming a very social experience because Oculus, again, if you, um, if you have a Samsung Gear VR... There is um, there's an experience now called Oculus Social, which is essentially watching a film, like a 2D film, in a cinema theater, in a virtual th- cinema theater, and you have avatars of your friends watching the film with you at the same time. So if I turn left, I see my friends, I can talk to them. So <laughs> I could be with a group of friends from anywhere in the world, and we could all be in this virtual room all together, chatting to each other and watching a movie. Do you know what? It's... it's- I can I, I can almost hear my dad going. Don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> that sounds. It does sound amazing. I mean, when you think uh, we're becoming such a like a. Well, you just said oh, I'm in Dubai at work. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I, I found as well that um, listening to more and more podcasts about startups in America, people travel around all the time, and I, it's amazing to think that 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 doesn't seem that bizarre, does it? Like I think. It's funny, it's an experience and you have to try it. Yeah. Um, the first time I heard about Oculus Social, I was like, okay, we've just gone too far. Like, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah, limit. Yeah. That was the point where we just gone too far. And then you try it and it makes sense. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And I think it opens up for the future of VR. And I think it's going to be a lot more social than we think. Yeah, because I was just thinking, you know, uh, people are abroad, they want to Skype their girlfriends or partners or whatever. You know, you can either just, because I hate FaceTime calling because... You know, you don't really, you don't lock eyes with someone on the screen. But imagine you're going, well, let's go down, a, like, I I'm just thinking now, like a canal in Venice. We'll see some sights. We can sit next to each other and have a chat, even though you're halfway around the world. That doesn't sound ridiculous. It isn't. It's a great experience. It's really fun. I'd, I'd invite anyone to try it. Uh, yeah. So if, if you're listening to this, like, how do people get into VR? I mean, we're, I, I would imagine some people are going, oh, right, I really want to bloody try that now. So, like, because it's not that popular yet, is it? I mean, I'm coming to you and literally talking to you about VR because yeah. it seems like such a unique thing at the moment. Is there anyone in London to even try it? I mean... Well, yeah, there, there's quite a few events about VR. Um, there's quite a few meetups uh, where you can try VR experiences. 
Anyone's always welcome to Union 9 as well to try stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's not a consumer product yet, yeah. which is amazing. There's so much buzz around VR, yet it's not been officially released to consumer. At least yeah. that was before yesterday. So now with the official release of the Oculus Rift, VR is open. It's open to consumer. Mm-hmm. Anyone could have it at home. And it opened so many opportunities. Because I, I, was, I was reading a Wired article and they were saying that um, the biggest challenge to VR is making sure the quality remains at an incredibly high level. Because that's yeah. because that's the advantage that Oculus Rift has. Because as you just said, because it's an early adoption thing, only people with enough money to buy it. So it's better to like put the price up so high that you have to have the perfect componentry to run it. Or you go down at like Google Cardboard where you let anyone do it. But the, I don't think the effect is anywhere near as kind of immersive. No, because not I, at all. Because I think to people who don't know the difference, the, the Google Cardboard... You're, it's like you're only moving on the X and Y axis, right? So you're, you're almost rotating a, like a static camera. Whereas the Oculus Rift one, the, and this is what threw me, is you can tilt your head sideways and the whole, the whole camera, I'm doing my hand movements <laughs> in it, but the whole camera moves with you. And what was cool is you can lean your head out around the corner of a building. That, that was the when it was like, or you can lean over the side of a building. It's, it's, the, inter- and, the interesting part of the Oculus Rift is without getting into too much tech detail, most of the experiences are built in a game engine because mm. we're talking about game experiences, which means you have a real depth of field as well. So it's it's what you yeah. talk about, the parallax effects, the fact that you can look sideways and suddenly you see the side of a building, which doesn't happen with a film because you can't film, yeah. <laughs> you can't, you, can't you, you just can't film the side of, um, of an object. <laughs> it, you know, until you say it, it's so obvious when you say it, be like, oh yeah. Yeah, you can't obviously film around <laughs> the side of a building. Well, actually, that's that's. I mean, we have a couple of projects in development that are looking at solve this problem. I think, uh, uh, like, a, there's a large part of me that wants to go upstairs to your secret level and just find <laughs> out what you're up to. Because when we first came here, someone let the door open to us, and we didn't see your reception. We just went straight up to the top floor, knocked on the door, and one of your staff was like, he went in, and I went to follow him, and he looked at me and was like. Who, who the hell are you? <laughs> and we were trying. I didn't realize that as you're like, yeah, no one can go up there. That's your super secret floor. Yeah, we essentially, we've got two offices in London. We are on Hoxton Square right now in our main office. So mm. on the first floor, this is this is the open office. Yeah, this yeah. is where we've got production team. We've got a meeting room, but we've got a secret uh, rooftop where we've got all of developers and designers working. <laughs> I really want to find out what you're up to. Because there's like, a, one of the things I was going to say to you as well, the, the great thing about YouTube and stuff and these 360 degree videos, you can essentially put a video on the whole world can watch it instantly. Yeah. Which is great, especially from an advertisement point of view. And because you deal so much in advertising, I would imagine that most advertisers go towards a 360 video just because of the way that you can distribute that video. Whereas Oculus Rift, someone physically has to have, I guess, a thousand pound machine and a... Yeah, it depends. It's different experiences. Mm. Um, so usually advertisers will not come and asking for an Oculus Rift because yeah. there's no, no no one has an Oculus Rift at home. <laughs> um, but they do want to use Oculus Rift in the case of experiential. Mm. So for instance, this summer we, we had an installation done at Waterloo Station and we built a flying machine. Like that, that's that's what I love to call it because it, it's what it was. Um, so it was an advertising experience for Stella Artois and Wimbledon, the tennis tournament. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. um, Wimbledon has, has this Rufus, a, a hawk protecting Wimbledon from pigeons. 
Um, so you could, um, in this experience, we filmed over Wimbledon, and you could then at the installation embody Rufus um, with the Oculus Rift, and you would lay on the platform, and the platform would bank with six degrees of freedom, with fans blowing in your face. So that was a fully immersive experience where you could feel wow. like you were a hawk protecting Wimbledon. That's it was amazing. a great experience. Yeah. So. Again, you know, you say in the social side, watching people. So you watch people do it because I guess, you know, when it feels that real to be a bird, you're like, well, what do I, I get? <laughs> but so how did you film that with a drone? Did you just, how did you actually film the footage? Well, we had um, th- um, a 360 camera rig um, mounted on a drone. Yeah. You say that so nonchalantly. That's, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's funny because we've been working on it for years. So now it's, it's, it's almost a standard for us. But yeah, it's, it's a big challenge. A drone of the three hundred. So, have you got a drone in house then, just or do you hire them out? Yeah, no, we've got a drone in house. We've got remote cars. That's um, that's another office. We've got another secret office in London, which I can't give the address, uh, <laughs> where we do experiential, so installations as well as v- VR, um, R and D. Yeah, and this is where we've got drones, remote cars, um, and 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 the flying machine actually is still there. Well, what I love <laughs> is uh, I genuinely feel that. Well, one, your Unit 9, to me, seemed to be right at the forefront of doing VR experiences anyway. And on top of that, unlike a film, there's not really any defined direction in which way you can take it. It's kind of like, well, if you think it's cool, I, I guess we'll sell it to a client. And if they like it, then, <laughs> then we do it. Like, you, I get, like, so much R&D must happen, right? Just to see, yeah. you know, does that work? I mean, what type of, uh, what type of cool projects can you tell us that you're working on? Because... The flying machine sounds like a pretty... Everything sounds like it must be an extension of that type of experience, right? You know, putting someone really in the experience of, and then you chose a, a flying bird but and a Formula One car. But then when you suddenly think of how many cool things people do, how many different VR experiences that can encompass? Well, the coolest one we have at the moment, and that's actually on our Union 9 website, is called the Pretender Project. And... That comes from our innovation architects who was passionate about witchcraft and body position. And he created an armband that essentially controls you. So there's like two armbands. If you wear one and I wear one. What's, if an, what's an armband? Uh, like armbands. Armbands, sorry, you got to eat. That's all right. That's just the French accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you wear one and I wear one, mm. I would control your body. If I move my arms, you gonna automatically move your arms because we're contracting your muscles oh, is, oh i see because you because you, you're seeing well yeah arm so move, right. this becomes um this becomes a way to bridge between virtual and physical worlds mm. so you could virtually control um someone someone else's body so if i wear this it's, it's all like quite long sleeves now um and i i can control a virtual world but on the other side, the virtual world can control me as well physically. So you can imagine, like, I, I don't know, playing any games. Like, we, we've got one game in development, which is an internal game, where you're fighting a dragon. So you've got you've got your sword, you've got your um, shield, and you're just virtually controlling this element by physically moving your arm because you get those sleeves controlling it. Every time every time I come here, I think I think, I think think know where VR's going, and then you tell me, and I'm like, man, VR could go anywhere. It really could. I mean, the idea of actually interacting with stuff that's the next level right i've just been thinking of like uh you're a static you're just yeah. viewing stuff and you're like no 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 because as well 
you showed us some Unreal stuff. Unreal is like a computer game engine. Yeah. It's like a f- free to download, isn't it? Is that it is free to download. Um, Unity is free to download. I can't remember for Unreal, mm. actually. But the the quality, the visual quality that you can get in Unreal is Unreal. No, it's, it's Unreal. Uh, it's good joke. It's <laughs> uh, so good now that... Yeah, I, I guess like this is why one of the, I was talking. I, we've been trying to get more people at work to use Unreal, and our and our I say me, my uh, our IT team, IT team <laughs> love it. Um, but it's can you can design buildings in it, and you guys are doing you know animation and stuff in it, and films. I guess you could you could previs most of a film in Unreal, couldn't you? I mean, it feels like there's a lot of convergence of software at the moment, and yeah, absolutely, and. It's the interesting thing that I I try to describe VR as an experience. Mm. Traditionally, we have films, we have video games, we have experientials even, but VR is actually an experience, and we use a lot of tools from video games mm. to put into films, and the same way we use traditional filmmaking aspects to develop a game experience. Yeah. So VR really bridges the two, and for like it's really a VR experience. It's not a VR game or VR film. It's a true experience. Really is, isn't it? I mean, I just have. Have you, have you guys tried watching a film in it? I, I know that sounds weird, but I just think the just being able. To, I don't know. Does does it make a difference having it on your face? Is it no different to cinema? I know you can't move around, but just it's I, it's just something about being completely enclosed in a. You know, you can't look away. You you just can't close your eyes to yeah. it. Even watching a say a, you know, a Blu-ray film on it. Must. Well, you know that Netflix actually has an application on the Does Samsung it? Gear. Yeah. So you can watch in, you're in this virtual chalet, I think, and you're, you're sitting on a sofa and you, you look down, you see a virtual sofa, and then you have a TV screen in front of you. You can watch Netflix. Give you a virtual Netflix, <laughs> Netflix and chill virtually. <laughs> now, mm, that brings us on like, there's, there's a whole range of, I'm sure, seedier things that you can do with VR. <laughs> I'm sure, do you know what? I'm sure the porn industry is pushing VR just as hard as any other industry. But well, uh, the funny thing is the porn industry were the first one to push the technical aspect of VR. Um, there were loads of talk last year about developing 6K cameras, like very high-end cameras for VR. <laughs> And the first ones to use it and to actually spend the money on it was the porn industry. The first, like, 6K VR experience was a porn film. I'm just not sure anyone needs to see it in 6K. It's pretty scary. (laughs) I have to admit, it's all, like, very up close. And, like, back then the technical wasn't that perfect. So it was weird for me. I I did watch it. Yeah, well, actually, um, you know, for research development. I, absolutely, right. but yeah, I did yeah. spend my time actually more looking at <laughs> stitch lines and technical aspects rather than the rest. Sure. Well, as long as, I guess, as long as they keep the aspect ratio of like of one-to-one scale, it doesn't get massive coming towards well, you. Well, <laughs> it, it's quite scary because in, in VR, elements are generally more up close. Mm. It's due to um, basically most of the time when we shoot VR, we shoot with fisheye lenses, so everything <laughs> looks more close. So... I mean, it was a couple of strippers, and they did look pretty up close, I have to admit. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not sure anyone needs to see it 6K up close. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> There's bound to be a market for it. Well, it's PR. It is PR. So do VR you, for PR. VR for PR. So do Unit 9 have a porn section? or are you? No, on? we don't, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to develop a VR porn section, but we don't. Queuing designers coming on. <laughs> so, so with Unit 9 and stuff then, I mean... With VR in kind of its infancy and stuff, are you finding that, because you have lots of departments inside of Unit 9, right? So are you finding that the film guys 
they're kind of going, what, what are you up to in VR? You know, like, how are you, are they, are they getting interested? I mean, because it kind of overlaps so much, right? So while whilst your kind of title is VR, mm-hmm. you must, do you get advice from like all the different, like, you must like animation, film? Yeah, it's a great part of being part of Uni9. Yeah. It's when we started VR, like the VR department at Uni9 opened over a year ago, slightly over a year ago. Mm. And it was just a couple of guys. It was myself and our creative director. And we could just use the resources from all the other departments. So suddenly we had to develop a game. We would just go to a game department. We're like, that's it. You're working for VR now. And then you go to film department and you do like, that's it. You're doing a VR film. So but good. The department grew by itself. And now it's almost a standalone entity where we've got within the VR department guys specialist in films or game. So, so what was your background before Unit 9 then? I was, I'd, I had a very strange background. Um, I was a VFX producer just before that. And before that, working in film finances. So it was a pretty serious job and then a pretty technical job. Yeah. Visual effects though. What, yeah. what, what was that in or where was that? That was fantastic. That was a small studio called F-Grade Studio. And we were developing animation and VFX for advertising again mm. and short films. And it was a, a very exciting job after me because it was a small studio about 15 to 20 people but I was actually the only producer in the team so it was myself and another 20 creatives so handling all the productions it was stressful but very exciting I guess it's um, I, to me the, the large part of the VR side is just working at, you, you hit problems every single time you do anything right there's, yeah. there's something that it's I guess that because you're pushing something all the time you hit a problem and you have to very quickly work out how to get around it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess visual effects must be the perfect kind of... It's, it helps a lot. And having experience in visual effects means you have technical understanding, mm-hmm. which is the extremely important part. I've worked on VR productions with traditional um, film producers, you know, the kind of guys that have like 30 years of experience, and they're completely lost in VR because they don't have any technical understanding. Yeah. So usually when I higher producers now I look at someone that has a strong technical background that can understand all the challenges and try to um, try to solve them as well because I, I, I just think one of the struggles of VR and one of the advantages I guess of, of, of being a technical being so technically minded is what's the output of VR because I guess the problem we've got at work is everyone loves it everyone yeah it's brilliant yeah everyone can fly around woo and then yeah the client doesn't want to put a headset on or We've, we're never going to have enough time to spend a week doing that because no one's going to pay for it. And yet, So we, we've kind of found something cool. We haven't really worked out to implement it. And then we kind of scuttle back and then no one really kind of invests in it technically. And I guess the output is the hardest part. Like what, what does the client want? They want a VR experience, but it, that's so general. Like, so you must- It's always funny. There's always different targets, but it's, it's quite interesting to see that some people do not want to wear headsets. And I have, I have <laughs> another story coming from Dubai on this where um, we were working for, for the Sheikh of Dubai um, on a project. And basically the, the marketing director on the job, um, just a week before going live, just told us, well, the Sheikh doesn't want to wear the headset. So <laughs> we didn't know what to do. So we had to do like 360 projection just for the Sheikh himself. Everyone else was wearing the headset. It was for a big <laughs> event in the Middle East. But the Sheikh himself turned up and just had to have like a personal 360 screening of it. I can, that, to me, that's the, for, for kind of our generation, VR is something cool. 
But to so say one of our clients, he's say let's say sixty, seventy, <laughs> very serious. He's paying a lot of money for a project, and we give him a VR experience. He just doesn't want to put on a VR headset, and it, it's such a oh okay. Well, I guess we won't do that again. But <laughs> it's it's funny. I think it's a generational thing. I, I guess like a shake, you know, you can't really tell him. <laughs> well, Wait, mate, go on, put on the VR. <laughs> it's interesting though because when they do try, they absolutely love it, mm. and the best reactions we have is usually from the older generation because our generation is so used to seeing new stuff. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's definitely cool. But I've seen so much. Yeah, where the older generation might not be so close to technology, and sometimes you you show them a VR experience. It's a, it's a life changing experience for them sometimes. Show them some 6K porn. <gasps> Blow them amazing. Mind, it? Show that to my mom. She <laughs> loved it. <laughs> so yeah, again, so with your parents and stuff, do you actually show like? Because you must have the confidence. Uh, I do not show VR no, the porn, porn to my yeah, parents. Yeah, just just uh, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you like, especially internally, you know, the the really cool research stuff. Yeah, I would say you're right. Parents and that generation. I'm just thinking if I showed my grandma some uh, some VR landscapes and stuff, that would be amazing to watch her reaction because it's kind of that gobs- the best audience that gobsmack look of like because I know it it is so immersive and yeah. uh, I think that it's it's so exciting to 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 not have any idea where it's going to go basically yeah it's it, it is very exciting because there is there's so much potential mm. I think the first time you try a VR experience you understand the potential of it. And you understand that we've not even reached five percent mm. of its actual full potential. Yeah. So it's interesting to just sit down and watch and and see where it's going. I think, especially when the because the, play, the PlayStation are bringing one out as well, yeah. aren't they? That that uh, content delivery system of a PlayStation. So they've already got because the Oculus Rift. I guess the challenge I was looking into, obviously, and it's sure. like I know that you need a pretty massive PC rig to run it properly to do it any justice. Whereas to have you know, you can buy a PlayStation VR headset and then you just plug it into your PlayStation and the dream is that then you can try out hundreds of these things. Yeah. And I think that, I was just thinking, if you can sell it in like an app type of way, well, you can climb Everest for a pound this evening. For six hours, you've got access well, to Everest. It must be... Oculus is trying to develop a, a app platform. Mm. Um, but I have to admit, I, I do agree that I think PlayStation VR will be one of the big winner next year yeah. because they just... They have the ecosystem in place mm. and they've been very clever that their um, hardware seemed to be ready but they did wait for developers to develop enough games mm. so when they do release it you'd have like 50 games ready for vr so you're not trying just one or two experiences you have a proper market in place and yeah. you can really have fun with it do you think how do you think oculus rift will it they're just selling it to the kind of the prosumer you know the the, the yeah. early adopters and stuff right but how how does the Oculus Rift work then? Do you just play computer games designed? Does Steam, for example, as a do they are their computer games? Are you just playing computer games that are Oculus Rift enabled? Is yeah. that as simple? As exactly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. So it 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 kind of limits the market, mm. um, especially with the HTC Vive coming. But I think Oculus has been very clever and they've been the first ones on the market. The reason we talk, the reason we have a podcast about yeah. VR is because of Oculus Rift. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure they'll find a way to work. Because they, they've they've been bought by Facebook, haven't they? Yeah. And until you'd said it, I was like, who's going to want a social side of Oculus Rift? But now you've made me think that's actually a pretty smart move on Facebook's part, isn't it? Like if they can nail... It's extremely smart. Yeah. Because Skype... 
I mean, in in all reality, FaceTime and Skype have been around for absolutely ages, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just one to one video. Whereas, man, if you think of all the interactive, exp- like even watching a tennis match or a football match, if you can, everyone's got a front row seat with their mates, and there's just a, a crowd behind you. That's actually an incredibly powerful way to watch watch sports, isn't it? Well, imagine the potential of it. Um, when we talk about live action VR or like film VR, I think one of the big and, and really cool market is for live streaming. Because mm. as you said, you could have the first seat at the final of the World Cup, but anyone could have it. Mm. Uh, you could literally put a VR camera there and do live streaming of it. So you watch the final of the World Cup and you're sitting between the managers and you see the game and you see the reaction of the managers. <laughs> you see the crowd going crazy behind you. It's a fantastic experience. That does, I mean, that yeah, all right. I think you're in a good market. I think I think yeah. this is what we've explained to each other. <laughs> so, so I want to go back to um, when you first got into VR. Yeah, was VR already popular, or do you, like like how basic was VR when you first? Did you first get into VR when you joined this company, Unit yeah. Nine? Yeah, yeah. They had kind of a secret plan for me because <laughs> when I so when they contacted me and when I joined Unit Nine, they they told me I'd, I'd work on something that does a bridge between film and digital and they like my profile because of that. They never mentioned VR. And when I turned up, they were like, okay, here's the VR department, it's all yours. Um, <laughs> and you were like, hey, six K porn. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, great, we're gonna do porn now. <laughs> then they were like, no porn. Oh, no. Damn it, <laughs> right, I'm off. But like, did you go, right, well, shit, I guess I'm doing VR now, I guess, yeah. I, I, guess I better like, what, work out what's on the market or what's no kind of- well I, I knew about VR before um, and coming to Uni 9 it was just there was a bit of research at the start just to understand the scope of the market mm. and what, to realise what, what was your scope of research like what, what did you see when you first you were like oh the big players are or what did you see well seen when I joined um, so we're talking about a year and a half ago there, would, there was just absolutely nothing mm. Um, it's bizarre, a year and a half ago, only, only a year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that's where Uni9 has been very clever, is that they, they started, they saw trends, they saw something coming, mm. and they were like, we're going to jump on it. And that was over two years ago. And a year and a half ago, they decided we're going to have a proper department dedicated to it, and now it pays off. Well done to them, really. So I, even a year and a half ago, it seems so, like... So- what an amazing leap to have made in such a short, it's incredible. short space of time. Yeah. So when you so what was your what was your first project then? Were you like, uh, you know, VR? What does a client want? Like, what does a client expect to have VR? Like, how, how do you how do you first approach your first project on VR? It was quite of a challenging project. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we've 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 done a few around starts. Um, but one of them was working for an Italian TV series. Um, and that was all in, in <laughs> it was a challenge <laughs> because we were shooting in the middle of the mafia in Napoli. Um, the actual <laughs> real mafia, nothing like the Godfather or anything, the actual real ones. Um, so that was quite of a challenge coming up with a 360 wheeled camera rig and you turn up and everyone's looking at you like thinking you have a gun or something. <laughs> um, so it was a, a quite of a challenge for a shoot. And then just the delivery of it, I think it was, um, so it was Sky, um, Sky Italy. Mm. And I think it was quite interesting for them to, uh, to accept the challenge and to, to put a 360 piece of content out. Mm. I, I, I just, I just picture you like, right, it's VR. 
okay. Uh, yeah, you got to go to Italy. Right, okay. Uh, round the real mafia. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, th- that's the funny thing because, so when I joined, we had quite a lot of those challenging um, projects. So alongside that, in a, in a space of two weeks, I ended up in the middle of the mafia in Napoli. I ended up in the middle of the desert in the UAE. <laughs> and straight after that, I was in the middle of Siberia. And when I say middle of the Siberia, it's it's really not even a city. It was really in the middle of nowhere in Siberia. Wow. That's a great thing about VR. It was just like such a new thing. And we were among the only guys that could do it. So we just had to travel the whole world. And it was just a great experience. That sounds Because a lot of the, quite a few people that listen to the podcast, there's quite a few students, people at universities yeah. listen to them. And like uh, part of the the appeal for me for this is that the, the dream job thing, like, and just hearing you go, you know, went to went to Italy, went to Siberia, went to all these places. It, it does sound exciting, and I and I think like, are there actual VR courses now? There must be, right? Um, or is it no. more like technical? And- there isn't, as as far as I know, there isn't any VR courses yet. Um, I think it should come soon because mm. we are. That's one of the main struggle we have in VR. We t- we struggle to find talented people mm. in the industry because. No one knows anything about VR. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult to find the right profile for it. Because you were saying, uh, I think, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, you were, we, were, we were asking for some advice on Unreal when we came here last time. And you were like, well, our main technical guy, he he learned everything from blogs and talking to people on the yeah. internet and YouTube. So he's kind of self-taught. Th- that as well. I mean, if it, it seems bizarre that there's not... Well, do you know what? It seems like a, a, a just a shift in how people are learning things now. Yeah. Like if you'd imagined 20 years ago to do any of this type of stuff, you would have done a course at university. And now, you, you know, not to pick him out, but just as an example, just your head guy is self-taught and doing incredible stuff. It does beg the question, like, well, why universities and stuff? I'm going on a slight tangent, <laughs> but, you know... It, it, well, it's, it's, it's difficult, especially if there's students listening to us. Don't mm. drop university, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I think universities will follow up. Yeah. There, there will be courses about VR at some point. At this stage, I think it's about hands-on experience. Just got to go and try. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying you should quit uni, but yeah. I, I do I do think <laughs> that some courses, just hands-on experience is so much better. I, I, part of me thinks that uni should be like half being uni, half every year should be half uni, half just trying new jobs new like imagine if you did a work placement here for a month and then another special effects house for a month and then a film thing for a month i agree you would be you would be so much you'd be so better equipped to start a place like this than just having no experience it's um i mean we're getting to a quite big debate yeah but i I do completely agree i think coming out of uni you have a lot of theoretical knowledge Mm. um but once you do join a company you realize you can just throw all that down the toilet, yeah. really. Um, and it's it's the same for films, for instance. Um, film schools are great, but on-set experience is priceless. Mm. And if you start at 16, 17, going on set, acting as a runner, and make your way up, yeah. you might get a lot better than, than going through film school and uni. Yeah, I mean, I think... <clears throat> Again, don't quit uni. Yeah, don't, don't quit uni. <laughs> <laughs> but if you... So I don't know what tuition fees are now, but I think they're like nine thousand pounds a year, right? That's Extortion. insane for a start. And then so Extortion, exactly. And then when you come out of uni, for a simple three-year course, that's twenty-seven thousand pounds worth of debt just for tuition. On top of however much you know you just yeah, spend yeah. dicking around and drinking, and then your rent and everything. You know, if you think 
I'm going to go and get 10 jobs over the next three years. I'm only going to work at a job for four months at a time and do three different. You'd come out, well, one, not in debt. <laughs> and two, with a hell of a lot of experience. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but then I guess this is why I kind of do the podcast. But you don't have the qualifications, right? And I think until VR becomes much more, it will eventually, you know, you'll look for a, you'll have so many people doing VR. There's How do you pick anyone out from the crowd? And you'd look for your distinctions in VR at the best university. I, I guess that's how all of these things evolve, don't they? I mean... I'm not certain about it, I have to admit. Yeah. Um, when I look at CVs, well, first of all, when I do interviews, I rarely look at CVs because it's all, really? it's all about personality, really. Um, especially when it gets to VR, mm. just got to show excitement. You got to show that you know about your market, that you know about VR. Yeah. And just show excitement. That's the most important for me. I rarely look at CVs. Really? Yeah. That's really, really interesting. So wh what if someone didn't, you know, didn't have very good grades, but did quite well? You'd be like, yeah, well, give them a go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because from what you've said, it sounds like a pretty, uh, I won't say punishing work schedule because that sounds a negative way, but it's, <laughs> it sounds all-encompassing. Have a lot like VR, I guess. But, you know, you're traveling around. You don't, I guess you don't really know what you're doing. Well, you would. You're organizing everything. But, <laughs> you know, you, you must say to your film crew, right, you're off. We need this Do film. It. Yeah, we need this film <laughs> with the mafia in Italy for a week. Go. The, the schedule requires you to be there. It's, you know, you get, you need young, passionate people with just, it's, it sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's what I think we're looking for people that are passionate mm. and that work out. Like hard work is definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Um, but in, and passion as well. But passion isn't difficult when you, if you're interested in VR, if you love VR, mm. I'm, I'm just super happy to come to work every day. Yeah. It's I, I, I just I really like uh, the storytelling side. So a, yeah. a lot of the kind of the podcast that I've really enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it's about storytelling and the, the architecture practices that I've gone to interview, their buildings are kind of, they have more character in them, I yeah. guess. So it, just coming over here on the walk over, just thinking about all the, all the ways that you can, you can control someone's concentration 100% in VR. There, yeah. There's no distractions. Absolutely. Because uh, we went to the, there's the building center uh, over near Tottenham Court Road and in there they've got, this will seem so basic to you. They've got a roller coaster ride in the Oculus Rift. It's so bad. <laughs> but I'd never tried one before. So I put This on is like the first VR experience yeah. for pretty much anyone. <laughs> yeah. And it's so bad. But do you know what it's got? It's got uh it's got very um subtly clever audio. So when you go really, really high, you hear yeah. birds and all the distant stuff goes away, and then you come down, it's got the digga digga digga. But um someone's filmed me watching <laughs> this because I'm sat on this seat and I'm looking backwards, I'm looking around. And I don't realise he's come right up to me. He's waving in front of me, and I, you know, it's kind of, it is, it is a like kind of, it is an amazing experience. And I, I think that I hope that in a year's time, do this again and find out because, I mean, are you expecting a big change this year with it being a consumer product as opposed to like a? Will it change for you? Do you think? I think this year is the official kickoff of VR. Mm. Uh, VR is still at its infancy. I think the market will take a good couple of years. I think 2017, 2018 will be a lot better and bigger. Mm. But yeah, this is the official. This is the official year of VR. This is when we all start. How does how do you think consumers buying VR and engaging in that will change? Because can you see? Because you're saying predominantly you work with uh, advertising agencies, yeah. but can you see you guys kind of creating content for? We do. 
you do so like as in let's say uh, the PlayStation did an app system is that is that kind of ideally where VRs you know where you guys you know you film something and people pay well yeah we've got multiple platforms so we've developed a VR game actually which isn't related to advertising at all which is called Storm um, available for the Oculus Rift wow um, but then I think VR is what you make of it mm. I think anyone getting a new headset getting Oculus Rift or even a cardboard you're just gonna try absolutely everything and yeah. then you'll see a, a good match Yeah. so it could be games it could be live action experiences I think there's lots of benefits for VR in general it could be I mean as you said it's such an immersive experience that you could create like a relaxing booth in VR, where you're like <laughs> sitting, I don't know, on top of a mountain or by the sea. It's just a relaxing experience for anyone stressed at work. That could be a good experience as well. So it, it could have actual real health benefits. Yeah. No, I, do you know what? It all seems so, I don't mean ridiculous, but you know when someone just, no, that's ridiculous. Why would anyone do that? But until you try it, and then now I've tried it, I'm like, do you know what? I can imagine me being stressed and wanting to sit on like a mountaintop with, because especially when your camera equipment is such a high quality now with yeah. a drone. So you can... Thanks to the porn industry. Yeah. Thank you, porn industry. <laughs> For everything. <laughs> Thank you, porn. <laughs> and you've got... So how many drones have you got? Have you, uh, oh, we've got just two. Just I mean, just. We've got two drones. Just just as a, as a side conversation, sure. technically, filming with a drone, are you allowed to fly it in London? Mm, no, we need um, special authorization. I do. Yeah. What... Okay, just let's say hypothetically, I'm not in saying that you may have done this, but <laughs> what happens if you just went out there, filmed the drone going up and down in London, and then you didn't have any permission? I'm just I'm just asking from a purely nerdy point of view. Can they? Can someone ask you to take that video down, or can you be fined for not having... I guess you've recorded... It's an interesting the- question. I never took the risk. Yeah. Because um, I'm not sure my clients would be very yeah. happy with that. Because I, I, I was just thinking, from you guys, obviously the proof is up there on your website. That would be a very stupid yeah. thing to do. But, you know, for, for anyone else, because drones are so cheap now. Yeah. I mean, the drones we have are a little more expensive. They're like yeah. heavyweight um, drones. But yeah, they're, they're getting incredibly cheap. What I'd- type of just what type of drones have you got? I'm just curious. I love drones as well. The drone drones, <laughs> and drones in VR are just the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, we'd have to do a separate podcast then with the um, R and D team. They talk all about drones. I love them. <laughs> I've, we've just been. Uh, I'm, I'm getting completely distracted now. We've just seen some amazing because uh, um, we're trying to look at them from an architecture point of view. You know, it's great just to yeah, fly totally. A, you know, fly one of them up to the height of a balcony or whatever. And um, anyway, we'll we'll come back onto VR. <laughs> uh, so, I guess one of the things as well with Unit Nine is uh, I'm just, I'm kind of selling it again. But like, <laughs> what, I mean, I don't want to ask who are your competitors, but there must be things that inspire you, not necessarily other VR companies, but what type of stuff do you look at for inspiration? I'm, I'm not saying it has to be another competing company. I look at everything. I look at everything in VR. And I do have a lot of respect for some competitors, yeah. Because um, I can't believe we're fast approaching the hour mark already. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll wrap this up a bit. But um, I mean, because uh, uh, you know, you look up amazing buildings or something, or, or like, yeah. you know, these amazing architecture websites stuff. But like for VR, I guess you're not necessarily looking for other VR experiences, but you're looking for, I guess, quality of footage or a type of computer game or a, a, an environment you think that would be perfect. Like, Well, so that's the interesting thing, and this is why I watch everything. Mm. Um, 
VR is a challenge for everyone. Yeah. There's no one that can say we figure it out because it's not true. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see how competition or other people just face their challenge and go through it. So I, I just, in general, watch other VR experiences to see how they went through challenges. And it, it, do you find... Do you find the majority of your influences come from movies or computer games or, or just real life? Do you, I mean, um, I mean to be no, fair, you've done you've done a Formula One experience. I mean, that's pretty awesome anyway. I guess you're just <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's a mix of everything. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're trying to get inspiration from everywhere, but other industries help us a lot. Yeah. Uh, in the case of the flying machine, we we use the solution that I used to use in VFX. So it was, for me, it made sense. And yeah. it was something that I used to do on a weekly basis. Mm. So, suddenly we just turned it to something absolutely new and it became a flying machine when it's absolutely not. I guess, yeah, I was once, someone quoted was like, you don't know what you don't know. That was them saying, you know, like, there's so much out there that you have absolutely no idea about. And why Unit 9 must have snapped you up was because of your experience as VFX is that you've seen every single technical way of doing something. Well, you have a huge experience and then that's what they're looking for, right? The VR side is just, it's its the final output, but the technical yeah. side must be very, very similar in, in all of these things other than, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. You'd, you face a lot of challenges mm. and it's just, it's its a way of thinking. It's a completely different way of thinking. It's very technical. It's just like, try and find a solution. I the, guess the big thing on our sides, whether it's for our creative director or myself, is just, let's do it. That's a, that's our approach. Yeah. Whenever we get a brief, the craziest idea in the world, we're just gonna go. Let's do it, and we we're always gonna try and find like go deep and and find a solution for it. We're never gonna say, oh no, that's impossible. Yeah, I love that though. I mean, one of the reasons it attracted me was uh, the reason I do the podcast is like, well, who would you want to talk to? Well, okay, <laughs> any of these people that interest me, we'll go and do it then. And the technical side is me. I rock up. We get a meeting with microphones. That's very very simple. I guess you guys are like, do you know what we should do? We should film on the top of a mountain. Okay, how the hell do we do that? Like, I mean, that, that yeah, and that's even for a pretty simple version of it. Yeah. But let's say you'd have to film like underwater, for instance, in three, with like 360 cameras or flying and jumping off an helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just, in my head, you're just like at home. Do you want to be cool? We filmed flying out of a helicopter. <laughs> and you just say to your boss, and your boss is like, right, cool, do it. You're like, wicked. <laughs> flying, like, so filming from an helicopter is not a challenge, but then jumping off the helicopter and keep filming, that's that's a real challenge. But not impossible. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I, like, uh, the, my favorite podcast, the ones where as you're talking, my brain is just going, that would be cool, that would be cool, that would be cool, I'd like to see that, I'd like to see that. Like, I've always wanted to jump out of an aeroplane, yeah, obviously never have, and I would love to, but I won't let my wife hear that. But um, seeing your flying rig uh, with the fans and everything, and I'm pretty sure you can you do indoor parachuting, right? But indoor parachuting yeah. with an Oculus Rift on, whew, that'd be a mad experience. That'd be amazing, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. But sure. that was uh, that has gone so quickly. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. There you go. That was episode 14 of the Create More podcast with Aurelian Simon from Unit 9. That was pretty cool, right? Come on. Tell me you're not a little bit excited to know more about VR. 
I came away from that uh, like buzzing with excitement. I think um, I could talk about it so much, uh, and I will try and limit myself. But the the kind of way I see it, the technologies do, and I I know I said this in the podcast, they do seem to be converging on a point, especially if. Yeah, in in the very same way that you know we're starting to you know model skyscrapers and tall buildings and massive buildings that we're working on in real time essentially like i've been in meetings where you actually in front of the client you know open up the model the 3d model and start model you know doing the model in front of a client and that's incredibly powerful and i think i think uh, like vr it uh, the sense of scale above all else is is amazing in vr and we're also looking at make we're trying to render ourselves inside of uh un, the unreal game engine and one of the guys who i'm going to interview from factory 15 called kibway we're working with them on some renders for another project we're working with at make and they just won an award for for a vr competition uh, sorry uh the unreal game engine competition so I don't know it it just get it just you have the you have the sense that a lot of technologies are converging and I think somehow if bim plugs into vr I mean this is a bit old school now but uh on broadgate when we were working on site we had the ability with ipads to see a revit model um and we could go to the room that we were in in real life so there were ceiling tiles hold up the ipad and it would know, it would sensor its gyroscopic sensors. It would show you the BIM model without the ceiling tiles, but all the pipe work and the structure behind. And that was a kind of virtual reality. And that was that was a very, very powerful thing to see. And I think, uh, yeah, I can only I only see that progressing. And something that I touched on as well with Aurelian was uh, like, how do you? How do you describe to a client what they're about to get in virtual reality? You know, like it's a, it's a very new technology. Um, and I would imagine if it's done very, very well, you can charge a lot because, you know, not many people can do it. And I think, you know, practice, you know, big practices in London. And I think like make, I, I, I'm genuinely curious, is there like a, is there a market for, you know, giving the client something a bit more? I mean, that's why I kept trying to ask Aurelian, you know, what, what is the output uh, how can you charge people? I kind of touched on it with the app space thing, you know, like imagine it was a pound, you know, to climb Everest in virtual reality for, for an evening. And just like you rent a film or something, but it's a pound every single time and you get one go. And it's like, you can just see these markets emerging. And I do wonder in architecture, you know, can there's a huge market for, for visuals and, and getting understanding a better sense of space. I think even for architects, you know, that's that's an amazing thing to do. You know, if you're, working on a skyscraper and you're suddenly trying to design you know narrow corridors or like a very intimate space on a terrace or something or like in a basement vr is an amazing thing you know drawings just don't convey that so yeah i came away very very excited uh they're an amazing practice uh, amazing company sorry and yeah i'd love to i'd love to see what they're up to i think uh, i think this is going to be an amazing year so if anyone's listened to this and they have amazing stuff and they're thinking, Ben, everything, yeah, there's loads more stuff. There's cool stuff that you don't even know about. Please tweet me at Ben Stewart, uh, create, create more PCAST it is on Twitter. Um, I'm really, really interested. I'm so excited about it. Uh, I think you can tell. 
so yeah it'd be really nice if someone uh could uh you know send me some links and stuff of cool things to read um because Aurelian has and uh yeah that's great so i really hope you enjoyed that and next week's podcast is with my good friend and colleague sam barkley who is a kickstarter this is part of my kickstarter special and ended up just interviewing him because we went on for about an hour and a quarter but he's done two successful kickstarter campaigns raising you know like 70 or 80 thousand pounds and he's done like this uh incredibly well-received award-winning book on um what it's like to read for you know being dyslexic and uh graphically it's amazing um yeah so we talk all about that all about kickstarter why it's cool and then we go off on many many tangents and uh I think what's probably going to happen at the end of the series is uh, we might do a review with him. So just me and him chatting about all the podcasts is like a nice way to wrap up series two. So thank you so much for listening and uh, please tweet me or subscribe or review. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.